I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. Whenever I hear that song, I always think of Psalm 40. Put a new song in my mouth. And uh, I'm not sure where you're at with him today, where what you're going through. I know what some of you are going through. And I know some of us are hurting and some of us are in life. Or maybe not hurting, maybe that's a better word. But there's always hope in him. And... Uh, I know that place, I know that pit of destruction, I know the miry clay and that is so living for me when I cried out in 1997 and he heard and it says he heard and he came and, uh, and he puts a new song and he puts new songs and I hope he puts a new song in, in your heart today, in your mind today, it will leave today change altered from when we walked in no matter where we're at we're all in this together aren't we we all go through pain we're all going to go through suffering we're all going to go through trials and tribulations and that's why we have to walk together it's not an option it's cemented in blood when he said come follow me because we carry one another when life's crap and we carry one another when life's good and it's in the encouragement when maybe we're breaking that we really need one another more. We need encouragement and we need love. But I believe God will put a new song in our heart. And uh, that's his desire. And he hears. He hears your heart cry. So keep crying out. Keep screaming to him. Keep asking. Whatever it is for. It could be you're in pain. You need healing. It could be the desires that he's birthing within you which are his. Um, and really, you know, that's what today is, is about, to come and, and offer him ourselves. And so thanks for, for coming. There's more people here than what I thought. <laughs> and at 10 o'clock, I thought we might have about 15 people. So that's cool. And I think it just shows the hunger and the desire we have for him as a community. And uh, I, I hope that that becomes more of our desire. Um, as I said, he's a, he's, a, he's a good, good father. And as a father, I know as, as, a, as a father myself, you just want the best for your children. And we're all his kids. And he wants the very best for us. Um, and he looks. And as a father... You look to your child and, 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 and you have your heart's desire for your child. Um, 
and you, you, you pray and you hope and you believe that their behavior will align itself so you're able to pour in everything. Because as a loving father, I won't give Madeline or Lily something that I know will crush them. I won't give them something that I know they can't handle. They may want it. They might scream, I want, I want, I want. But as a loving father, I'm not going to release something that they're not mature enough to handle because it would crush them. And, um, and so God wants to grow us and he wants to do a work within us and he needs to shape and mold us so he's able to release everything that he has in store because of love. And so often, you know, he's being mean, he's being that. No, he's being loving. And uh, I was having a chat with someone yesterday who and I was saying how all prayer is answered. Every prayer gets answered may not be how you want it to and you may not think he's answering it the way you intend it or should be but he answers all prayers and that could be to hold back because of what he wants to do because he sees he sees the heart he sees where you're really at we tend to not see where we're really at at times or we think we're somewhere but we may be we may be not so he holds back and he waits and he looks ultimately for a finite work for a work that will last forever not just a a release today but a work that will be done infinitely which will change us because a genuine work of the holy spirit he wants to do in all of us and so we live from this new life his life within us um and uh and so i just want to just reiterate the purpose of the day um and then I'm going to get Chris to come and just share a scripture which he shared when we were praying upstairs before, which I feel will just be a great launching pad for the really the, the two things that I want to say. But within those two things, there's quite a bit. Um, so why are we here? And I've just put my own words is to eat and drink of him for our own transformation. Jesus said, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you don't do this, you have no life within you. And so I'm here to eat and drink of him. Um, I'm going to do that through the leading of his spirit. And so I don't, um, it's always weird when you say these types of things. I just, I just want us to really relax and I want this to be like a lounge and uh, we're just talking. We're just sharing. I don't want to get all preachy, whatever that is. <laughs> um, might get excited um but i just want us to just relax and just this is just we just come to have a feast and throughout the day it's like you know there's just an abundance of food and so you pick as you go sit there and you might be like oh i've had a bit and you wait a bit and then it could be another hour you pick up there's a bit of chicken or whatever and and so through the leading of him and the empowering of him we come to eat and we come to drink of him today for change and we're going to do that through his living word being spoken um i'm going to share some things uh today just stuff he's been sharing with me and showing me and um what i'd ask is that we just all come with an, a heart of anticipation excitement and then go away and and let the holy spirit speak to you i would ask you not to write anything off that you hear today Oh, I don't believe that or I don't even think that or whatever. Just just let it sit um, and then seek. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about faith. And uh, what I'm going to share may be different to what you've heard about faith. It, it may be the opposite to what you've heard. And so I just ask you once again to keep an open heart and an open mind. Um, because the Bible says that there is the word, there's the ability to hear, and then it produces faith. And Paul said, I've, I've, I live my whole life in the flesh now by faith in the Son of God. So what is faith? Is it some thing that you hope to get you through something? Or is it a substance that you live from? Is it something that's in you that determines decisions and choices that you make? And you live from it. And so we're going to unpack some things around that through his living word. And I'm also going to talk, start with, um, Jesus said, life is more than food. And so I want to paint a picture of who we have been called to be in the life we've been called to live. And so um, I hope that will encourage us. I hope it doesn't shrink us. <laughs> um, so once again, I, I, I ask you to have an open heart and an open mind and, and, and be encouraged in the magnitude of who we're called to be and how we're called to live. Don't, be, uh, don't shrink back. Uh, don't hear through the flesh. It's easy to say. Ask and pray right now that your spirit would hear. So spirit to spirit. So the spirit would hear. The incredibleness of who we and the lives that we've been called to live. Um, we're going to praise and prayer. So through prayer and praise, praise and prayer. And so, I don't know, I might speak for five minutes and then we're going to pray for what I just spoke. We might in the middle crack into a song. So just be prepared to, to be ready to move as we go and, and um, feel free to, you know, like it'd be cool if we can sort of stay within this vicinity so that we can just feel in one. But at the same time, just relax and, and, and chill. And, and um, I would ask at the same time that, um, like, we're going to start, I'm just going to, so here's, two little things right now I'm going to oh, I'd love a couple of people not now but within two minutes to come and just share just something living we had a a, a, a gathering at discipleship all in and I shared about bringing something so I'd love two people to come and share what what, what has God been showing you teaching you leading you and um, so be prepared for that at the start at the end in the middle as he leads because he's going to lead it so We've got a framework, but and I've got some one lines and some scriptures. And I want him to speak. I want him to speak just through. I don't want to get in the way. Um, transformation through our fellowship or union with him and one another. So not fellowship as in going eating food. That's relationship building. But fellowship, having union of the spirit with him and one another. And being one as Jesus prayed or prayed. The breaking of bread. We started doing that. We might do it again. And as I said, the building of relationship with one another. Um, so, who wants to come? I need a microphone. Sorry, Chris. I threw you out and throw you back in. <laughs> a couple of people, maybe a uh, male and a female. 
just want to come and just share just from the journey that we've been on what he's showing you what's he speaking to you about you may not be in that yet but he's talking to you he's showing you some things he wants you to seek him on certain things can't be an elder either thanks Greg um, hi everybody um, it's really good to be here um, and I've had a very strong sense lately that God's um, forming the church, the body of Christ on the whole, um, into a real unit where um, nobody can get away and it's so solidly stuck together by Holy Spirit's love and peace and joy that we have no choice but to, um, like the scripture says, it says to cast all of our cares onto the Lord for he cares for us. And um, earlier on in the year, I was living with an Ethiopian couple and um, the lady, she gave me um, a scripture and this is how it goes. I think this will really encourage you. It says, it's from 1 Peter 5.10 and it says, But the God of all grace, who has called us upon, uh, called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he will, you you will suffer for a while, but (coughs) he will perfect you and, (coughs) excuse me, and establish us and strengthen us and he'll settle us. And that's the bit at the end where, yep, um, we're fearfully and wonderfully and perfectly made. But when he settles us within our own unit and how he's stuck us all together so closely, um, this is just what I feel I, I, I wanted to share because... Even when um, trials come, like Greg said, we can stand and lean on each other. Um, that's a primo time to actually um, be sort of kind of like a bit wobbly and sort of like wobble out of the bit that's, that Holy Spirit's got you stuck into, into the unit of Christ. So, um, yeah, just let's cast all our cares onto the <clears throat> for he cares for us. And, um, yeah, take it. Um, take it in a really strong sense of being settled as a joyful and a peaceful unit in Christ Jesus. Awesome. Thanks, Alice. Very cool. Gentlemen. I don't do this much, so uh, bear with me. (laughs) A while ago, um, Greg sent out a the email about the new furnace that's going to happen, about prayer. And uh, our God says to us, we must pray constantly. And it just hit me. It just hit me, you know, where, you, where it hits you. <laughs> and, and God just, our Father just started talking to me. He said to me, if we don't pray, pray constantly then we don't declare our dependence on Him. 
And He wants us to be so dependent upon Him that we will pray constantly. You know, God says to us, He, uh, he gives us a choice. He says, choose therefore life or death. We only have choice. We have no control over our lives. The only control is where we're going at the end of the day. We only have a choice. And if we choose God, we choose life, then we need to pray. Because God will then control our lives. And if we don't pray, then we're choosing the other side. And we know where that goes. So I just want to encourage us all. Let's pray constantly. Awesome. That's where the wrestle is, isn't it? Right there, you know, because I think what I'm going to share today, you know, requires prayer because it requires a seeking, which requires God to unlock um, the reality, you know, the revelation of something. And so that's the enormity. So if, if, if if we're not moving towards that realm, then we're stuck in our own lives. And we're consumed and being consumed with our lives. And that's what I want to unpack. But Chris, just come and share um, the word that God gave you. And, and this really, um, as he read it out, so it's just beautiful. So, so listen and hear. Hear what the Lord's saying. Um, yeah, so this morning I was just... Uh, spent some time with him and just asked him what he would say <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just so blown away that he does speak like it just blows me away and I'm, I'm really thankful that that we have this living word that he'll bring um, this is just straight out of Psalm 146, 145 he says the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him, he also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. And um, the bit that really spoke to me about that was that he gives food in due season. He opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. And um, it makes me look from my own ability or perceived ability to his sufficiency to who it is that he is and how there's no lack in him but abundance and this ability to supply according to our desire. Um, I'll just read it, um, something from Psalm 107 that goes with that, that he sort of built on it with. And it says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing or jumping a few verses here, but it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. (laughs) There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. Now I know um, most of us don't have cattle or vineyards, but it's just talking about provision and supply. And um, <laughs> just this morning when we were singing about good, good Father, I just I just felt my heart stir, and I just. I just want to pray that, Lord, our hearts would switch to a real dependency on your ability. God, that we would live out of your ability, Lord, to cover, to supply, to carry, to be the Father that we need in every capacity and to let go of how it is that we think that we can do it, or we have some ability to carry ourselves. And um, I just feel like his heart this morning is that we would know that he is able. He is so able. I just thank you, Father, for your ability. I think... um you know, the, um, and just I want to just follow on with just what Chris shared there because I think everything we hear, what I what I don't want you to do <clears throat> is to race away and try and figure out how you're going to come into it because that's our natural mode of operating. We are so wired to do and to figure out how we come into this dimension of truth and we set our course and we try and figure it out in our flesh Um, and we get nowhere we get frustrated we get disillusioned and we feel like quitting and because there's no life in it and um, you know it, it, it but we can spend our whole life living like that and so we're we're always outside of the reality that we're supposed to be inside um, because we are so outcome-driven. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. That's, that's a, a consequence of the fall. And God would wants to just realign that where it's like Chris has said, it's seek him. And in finding him and more of him, you will 
be changed and transformed and then you'll be able to live from this new place. You don't go on a journey to figure out how you are going to do it. There are how-tos, but they are spiritual how-tos. And the challenge is we need to hear the spiritual how-to, not hear through a flesh model and hear the wrong how-to. So the how-to is ask, seek, and knock. That sounds foolishness to us from the flesh, but that's the spiritual how-to. And we go, no, no, there has to be more to it than that. No, there's not. If we get more of him through the power of the Spirit revealing him in us, you become less. That's how you die to yourself. It's not through on a pursuit of time to die. It's receiving more of him. So the dying to self would just be, I want to pursue you where I used to pursue me. That makes sense? So where I may have all these interests and passions that I want to do, I go, okay, I've only got so much time, so I need to dedicate more time of a pursuit of him than on those things that I might have a natural desire for. And he sees the heart. And as I do that, and ask, seek, and knock, and believe, and trust that he's a good, good father, he will reveal more of his living manner in us, which creates us to be able to live now from a new place. That may be brand new for some of us this morning. I don't know. That's the way I have grown in Christ. So that is where all the life that's in me has come from. Not through me trying to figure it out how to do it. Not through going to courses and this and that and all that. There are some things that you can figure out how to do better, like sharing your faith. So what's a better way to share my faith? Sure. But I'm talking about spiritual transformation of our being is done at the literal receiving of his living manner within. And it changes passions priorities, realigns, shifts, and now you're able, you find yourself living from a new place. And now you're able to demonstrate what you read about as opposed to trying to hear your whole life and it always seems to be, my Christianity is there. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying? Christianity is there. No, no, it's here. I am it. I don't do it. People say, what do you do for a living? I can't answer that question. It's who I am. And they try and box because we're so in a flesh about what do you do? It's your job. What? Following Jesus is my job? No, it's who I am. I'm a follower of Christ, and through him being in me more and more and more, I'm now able to follow him more and more and more. And I'm able to let go of what was me. But it's all done through the power and the life of the Spirit of God. That's why 
We are absolutely helpless and we need prayer. But our flesh hates that. Why? Because I can. That's what Satan said, didn't he? I want to be. And the I, one word. But what's contained in that, in that flesh suit, is what keeps you out of him and his life. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment, and uh, it's called Capturing the Father's Heart for the Church. Capturing his heart, his dreams, his purposes for us. Not, Lord, what about me and what's my dream? Give me a dream that I want to live out on this planet here so I can be fulfilled. But, Father, what are your dreams? What were, when you, when you created, before you created, what was in your heart for everything? Was it about a problem? Oh, I know, I've got a beautiful dream. Let's start with a problem. Or was it about a promise? I know the Father, the God that I worship, never starts with a problem. He starts with a promise. Yes, there is a problem in containing with the whole story, but that's not the starting point. But see, when your mindset is it's about a problem, then that defines I need to fix the problem. As opposed to it being about a promise, share with me about the promise of your heart and what that looks like. And so ultimately, what I'm writing about or trying to convey is to the to the measure of the living knowledge that God has shown me is from his perspective what this whole thing's about. From a defined order. Because is it problem, promise, or is it promise, problem? Is it commandment or commission or commission or commandment? Is it grace and truth or truth and grace? You get around the wrong way, you're walking the opposite way. Is it love the Lord your God with all your heart or with your strength? You flip that on its head, now you're trying to love God with all your strength. That's a recipe for getting messed up. But if you love him with all your heart, which is the spirit, there's life. And in the book, chapter 2, what I write is about is the picture of your finish line determines how you run. So the picture of the finish line, his finish line, determines how we run. But we are running according to the picture of our finish line. So we must be able to see his finish line to run in accordance to his race. Otherwise, we're running in accordance to our race, wondering why this seems to be outside and I'm not necessarily in the life and I hear different things and I read about different things and I see it, but it, doesn't, it seems to be void of me. The challenge is it's for us. And so like we've been talking about, there is only one way in which we come into life. There's only one door. 
There aren't multiple doors. Like Jesus said, there's only one way to the Father. It's through me. There's only one way to this life, and it's through me. Not your ability and your ways to try and get to me. And ultimately, that's the wrestle. And so that the whole chapter in that is about seeing from his perspective and running from his perspective. Because like I said, if, if you only see 100 meters down the track, then you're going to build your life in accordance to 100 meters. That's why a 100-meter athlete looks different to a marathon runner. They eat different food. They have different training programs. They have different strengths. They do different weight training exercises. They physically look different most of the time. Sprinters are built like rugby players. They're massive, muscular, fast, quick, powerful. Marathon runners tend to be a bit more wiry, a bit more leaner. They need different things, but both are running. And Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I finished. So I fought a good fight by faith. I finished, and the future is laid up for me. Five F's. Fought a fight. By faith, I finished, and the future awaits. The future awaits. The two things that I sort of want to talk about is life is more than food. And we're going to unpack that and everything that comes with that. And the word that keeps coming back to me is indestructible life. So Jesus lived an indestructible life. He died. He rose again. Sickness couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't hold him down. And he offers that life to us. Has death lost its sting? Or is it still holding us? Does the future excite us or scare us? What is your future? Because life is more than food. You see, we live our lives according to the reference point that we hold and believe, yes? So our lives, our decisions are all defined by the reference point that we know. Hence, he wants to keep enlarging our reference point to bring us more and more into his reference point so our lives align to his reference point, his truth. Are you tracking with me? But we only live our lives to the reference point we know. So the the truth that we hold to, that's where we're living our lives from. So the true demonstration of our lives is what we really believe. So we can say we believe all these things, but the demonstration of our lives will show you what you really believe. And the evidence demands a verdict. 
And there's all this that he would want us, desires us, longs for us to come into. So then we're able to be the demonstration of these things. And we would be able to say with all authenticity, I am in bang, 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 and a world see it, and a church see it. But so much of that reality requires receiving new manner, living manner, living food. That's why we're going to look at a certain kind of speaking or a, 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 a preaching has to come forth. And I'm not talking about just like on this. I'm talking about one-on-one when we're in our 12, when we're in communities like this. Like when we get together as one-on-one and one-on-three, is there living manner going across the table? Is it stale brown bread or is it succulent bread? Do we sense and feel and know and walk out of a a one-on-one or a one-on-three or a get-together feeling absolutely edified and encouraged and I just had a feed. I had a feed. I had a feed. I don't need physical food. I just got fed because I've received living food. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. This is the interaction we are to have when we come together now, when we come together during the week, when we come together. Whenever the body of Christ comes together and he is with, the feast is on. But we have to be in that position. We have to be living from that place. It's not enough just to be there positionally. We have to be there experimentally. God wants us to experience his love, doesn't he? Experience his truth, to know it. I love that song. I found your love in the open field. It's more than words and it's more than good ideas. It's more than man's theories. It's more than man's stuff. It's more than man's ways. It sounds all great. It sounds flashy. Does it have substance and life? And is it changing the church? Because if it's not, then it's probably not him. And even there, there's so much scriptures in relation to that. Don't. Be taken with delusive arguments and men that come and they come thinking they've got all this great stuff, but then there's not the demonstration of it. It's void of life. And so I hope that our reference point shifts today. I hope that spirit, which was going to speak through me and my spirit, which has been revealed living manner as it speaks, your spirit will capture it. And spirit to spirit, we will communicate and receive. Paul said, I speak of the things that are freely given because it's been revealed to me. So not only do we need to speak things being revealed, we need to be able to hear 
the things being revealed. Because once again, they're two operating systems. An operating system of the flesh, who hears through the lens and the filter of the flesh, will never hear what the Spirit is saying. It will hear the opposite. And then it will move away from the position of the Spirit. Because the Spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another, Galatians. Is that cool? So the two things, indestructible life in Christ and faith. And really, everything is interlocked. So everything really is, is interlocked and comes back to him. All right. So let's just go to Matthew 6. And this is where we're going to start. And, you know, we, as I said, just we, we might get through, we might not get through. See it as a process today and not an event. And everything is going to be recorded as well. Um, so we'll go from there. But, Father, I pray you would enlarge the picture of our finish line. I pray, God, that we would see as you see. I pray we would hear as you hear. I pray that the spirit that you've put in us, Father, would hear and see. Lord, I pray that as I declare what you're showing me, this living realm, this living manner, Father, help us to receive, help me to speak it in a way that makes uh, that's clear, Father. And I pray we would wrestle for a reality and we would not let our current reality get in the way of our new one. We ask this in Jesus' name. Just before I read this, I want to share this is what um, Jeanette Van Barneveld said yesterday when I was with her in a group. We had an awesome time. Our future is creating for us a glorious past. Our future is creating for us a glorious past. So often we think our past can be negative. You know, oh, my past. Oh, no. Think about that. So as you move forward into the future, what an awesome day yesterday was. What an awesome day. What, 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 so what you're leaving is a glorious past as you enter into more of an incredible future. Yeah. Phenomenal, eh? Oh, that was amazing. I thought, I've got to copy that. And <laughs> if she wasn't here today, I'll claim it. But... Um, <laughs> But no, the other group are here as well, so they were witnesses, so I'd really be in trouble. <laughs> so now, Matthew 6, and um, 6.25. And you know, once again, we're not to trust in the titles that, that start different chapters or, or phrases, but I do love, my, this is the cure for anxiety. So what we're about to, to read, this is the Nasby's declaring, this is the cure for anxiety. Cure for worry. Anyone struggle with worry? We all do to a measure, don't we? We worry about today. We worry about in an hour. We worry about the future. 
And yet what we're going to hear is a reality where Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't worry. So he says this, he says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Say, I'm not going to worry about my life. That wasn't too convincing. (laughs) Say it with faith, say it with trust. I'm not going to worry about my life. Cool. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. That they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? So much more than they. And who of you by sorry? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Who can hear the reality that's being declared? See, the word, the scriptures always declare a reality. They paint a picture of a substance, of a dimension, of a life that he calls us into. And this is the whole process of maturity, isn't it? Of going from an immature state to a mature state in him, in you. So those words become a reality. They're not just to stay on the page. They're not to be just words that we spout. They are to be a living reality where we say yes and amen. There is a promise contained in the Christ that I don't worry about anything. That I can be free and live freely. That's huge. It's awesome. <laughs> and so, once again, like we've been talking about, the, the challenges or the, we have an opportunity to experience a life here on earth that is indestructible. 
that is so set apart from the world, the flesh, the operating systems. The Bible says that we are called to be a royal priesthood, set apart a holy nation, a consecrated people who offer up spiritual sacrifices holy to the Lord that live like the Son lived. It's... See, our minds renew to this reality. And so he says this, and I'm just going to break this down. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Father, I pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bring such a realm and a reality in us as we chew on you, as we meditate on you, that these words would become living. These words of life would become our life. The words that are contained in this book called the Bible, your living scripture, yourself on print, on ink, would become more and more our reality, that we would live from your reality because you're a good, good father and we have been adopted into your family. We have the spirit that your son had to bring us and lead us into this reality of life. So help us, Lord. Strengthen us today to believe and receive and accept who you are calling us to be. Not who we think we are, not who we've maybe believed we are, but who you say we are and the life you call us to experience now. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. See, I'm glad he talked about clothing and not physically trying to look fit because then that would apply to me and I can still go to the gym. <laughs> Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I don't know if it can get bigger than this, that you would compare the life that he wants us to be in more than the very thing that we need to keep us alive. You reckon you could survive without food? How long would you survive? Anyone watching Bear Grylls at the moment in the island? It's quite a cool program. And we were watching the other night, and these guys have gone like 15 or 18 days without real sort of food. They had water. And they're getting skinnier and skinnier and you know, everything's starting to fall apart. And Jesus is saying here, our lives are way more than food. Way more than the substance that we all need. More than water. More than the basic commodities of life are our lives. More than these things that you wear and yet... We spend more time worrying about whether our phones are going to upgrade to the ISO 9. Because Danielle and my phone crashed. And in our house, you would have seen what happened. Oh, my goodness, I can't email, I can't text, I've lost all the contacts. And oh, and all of a sudden, what was a peaceful home has now become World War Five. Oh, how are we going to communicate? Oh, we could talk. <laughs> That'd be a funny thing, wouldn't it? Eh? You could get on the dial-up 
Hi. And we spend more time worrying about stuff that some people don't even know what it's like to have. You know, you go and smell and taste Cambodia and you'll have something to worry about. And he's saying even that. So he would say the same message to them. Imagine saying that to someone who doesn't have food, that life is more than food. Doesn't sound that flash to someone who's maybe starving, does it? But there is a reality, there is a realm in the spirit, in God, that Jesus declares as his own. And he longs and he waits and he believes and he hopes all things and he endures all things. So we, his people, would come into his realm and then be able to live from his realm, which ultimately brings glory to the Father, brings incredible life to you and I, and a lost world sees God in the church. Imagine going into your workplace. You know what? Life is more than food. And demonstrating that. Seeing that life outworked. Who are you people? You're a peculiar bunch, aren't you? (laughs) And one of the things we were talking about yesterday was Christine was sharing about a couple that she that she knew that lived in Fiji and and the things that they that this that the things that they didn't have a desire for and and she noticed that that they just weren't into a whole lot of things that other people were living for and they were and, and, and they blessed them as, as young girls with these things because they they knew they liked them earrings and bracelets and different things but what Christine recognized about them was oh these people they're not they're not interested, they don't seem to be interested, but they can hold those things and bless others. But, but they're living for another reality. They're living for, for something different. That there's something, there's a greater life in them or something that they're living for that, that, that maybe we're not. And they were, they were young girls. And I guess that's the challenge for us, isn't it? Because life is more than food. So why are we worrying? Why are we worrying? I believe that's what Jesus would say to us today. Why do you worry? Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worrying about clothes, iPads, technology? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is sown to the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? And what will we drink? What will we wear? You know, there are good questions, and there are dumb questions. And the dumb questions are those. But there are good questions that we should be asking. You see, it's like, and I've said this before with the disciples, but one of the things they did really well when Jesus said to them, come follow me, is they didn't ask him a whole lot of questions. 
See, when you worry about life, you need answers before you move. What's it going to be like when we get there? Because I'm going to decide whether I actually come or not. We do this. We do it here. You know? I can say it. We do it here. What's the men's retreat? Who's speaking? Why? Well, I want to know whether it's worth my time, whether you're bringing in the big guns. Oh, Jesus is going to be speaking. Is he big enough for you? Oh. You know, what's it going to cost me to follow you, Jesus? Well, you don't ask that question. Because you'll only worry about your life. <laughs> And so there are good questions and there are silly questions. And what happens is when we ask questions that we're never maybe going to get answers to, faith starts to diminish as you wait for the answer. And so God can speak to you and he calls you and he says, we're going to this together as a body. Yeah, amen. And then he looks and he looks to see how quickly we're going to respond. Notice they responded immediately, it says. There's no room for unbelief to get in the way because I hear and I obey in a second. I reckon that's part of maturity. Now hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying we don't seek the Lord on things and spend time in prayer. I'm not saying that. But there is also a position in him where you don't need to pray because you know. And the more mature we are, the more we will know that place. Because you can hear his voice and you respond. But certain questions will have you worrying, even in our relationship with him. So he says, don't worry And then he gives us the answer. All the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. What things? Food. Clothing. And drink. I know you need those things. See, sometimes we've painted the picture of houses and holidays and all this other stuff. So once again, he keeps bringing it back to the core essentials of life. Who is the bread of life? Who is the water of life? Who is our shelter? Who clothes us in his righteousness? Is he not saying that I am those things to you? Why are you worrying about the natural? Because I am those things. I embody those things. And the more you come to me, you will never be hungry. And the more you believe in me, you will never be thirsty. And that's why he says, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Seek first me. He is the source of life, is he, is he not? 
That's what I was trying to say to us before. If we know him and receive him more and more and more, then we will naturally live from a reality he declares. So seek first my reality for you. See, this is the challenge for us. Is one, what is the kingdom? Because that's what we're to be seeking firstly. And is righteousness. Because it's going to realign us from a reality. But if Jesus is just an add-on to our lives, then we will be empire builders. And it's our empire. And that's the challenge. Because what happens is he's saying, before you get married, have kids, Think about careers, sport, all these things that are contained within life. Seek first my dimension of my truth, my kingdom, and what's going to be established in you. Where is the kingdom? Jesus said, my kingdom is within you, yes? And my kingdom is made up of joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. He talks about having our minds renewed to reality. So the challenge is for us is, once again, that's all a dimension of the spirit and the spirit doing a genuine work, isn't it? So we add things to our lives. I get married. I have children. I get a house. I get a mortgage. I get cars. I got holidays. But all these things that I'm adding to my life. And I'm wondering why I'm struggling with and worrying about all these things. There's nothing wrong with those things. Everything is from God, yes? Everything is from him. So there's nothing wrong with getting married. There's nothing wrong with having children. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But if those things aren't defined through the kingdom lens, then they're binding me and holding me, and I'm going to worry about them. Do you believe it's possible to have all those things and to be in his position on those things and live in an accordance to those things so you are free of those things, yet still connected? Okay? So I'm not saying, oh, well, I'm married, but I'm going after the kingdom. See you, Danny. See you, kids. Fend for yourself. Not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, as we seek first the kingdom, his domain, his living manner being poured more into us, it realigns and reshapes how you view all those things. Yeah, come. Let's come here to John. I want to show you something in John. Um, John, John, John. I think it might be John eighteen. John eighteen, thirty-three. 
John 18.33. So this is Jesus before Pilate. John 18.33. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priest delivered you to me. What, what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Key words here when Jesus starts talking about my kingdom is not of this realm. So my domain. Future now is not of this system, this world. If it was, look what would happen. My buddies would come and they would rescue me right now. But I'm living from another standard. I'm living from a greater reality. I'm living from the kingdom, my father's ways. And I'm able to demonstrate them to you. So he's saying, seek first my way. Seek first the way I see things, seek first and view all those things through my lens. And then you won't worry because you're holding them all differently. Holding them way too tight. Why? Because you've entrusted your heart to man. And Jesus said, I'm not entrusting my heart to man, for I know what is in man. But we do it. Why? Because the kingdom isn't being established within us. To the fullness that he wants it to. His ways, his thoughts, his domain, his rulership, his love, his joy, his peace. It feels so natural, doesn't it, to have a child at the centerpiece of your heart. It just feels natural. It feels so right to have your wife or your spouse as the number one in your heart, in your mind. I believe Jesus patterned something different. Because his word says... I'm not to love Danny with all my heart. I'm to love him. And through that, I'm then able to love her in the way he wants us to love. And we've, we've been talking about this stuff. But it's to get in us. Because until it's in us, we don't know it. It only sits in our head. And once again, we're still going to worry about it all our lives. It's got to become living manner. It has to become a food source that performs a work. And now I'm altered. And now I live according to the way Jesus lived his life. Otherwise, I'm going to be consumed with worrying about, actually not Danielle, it'll just be food, clothing, the basic commodities. And Jesus is saying to Pilate, 
My kingdom's not of this place. It operates differently, and it has its different ways. So church, if you want to be free from yourselves, seek first me. Seek first. Ask, seek, and knock. For the Holy Spirit, there is no limit, will be poured out in an abundance. I've said this, I'll continue to say it, there is a reality in God that we are still not living in, that he wants us to pursue, which would change our past and create a new past. And the answer is to seek first the kingdom and in his righteousness. It's words that we read about, we sing about, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Beautiful words, they're all prophetic, declared through song. And we sing them, and then we worry about our lives. Just me? Just come with me to 1 Corinthians, and we're just going to do this. We're just going to, as he speaks and gives me scriptures, because I've only got two scriptures written down, We're going to flip-flop a little bit. And this is where the the cool thing about this is because you actually get to see the whole council and you realize that there is really one picture spread throughout the entire book. And all of a sudden it's like, man, here it is here. Here it is here. And so you see Paul writing these words. He talks about teaching on marriage. Okay? And if you you want the whole context, just start from one through. But he says this, but this this is in verse 29. So this is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern. Once again, can you hear the man's heart? He goes on. One who is unmarried is, un- is concerned about the things of the, world, the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure, listen to this, undistracted devotion to the Lord. See, once again, there is nothing wrong, and he is not saying go get a divorce. And he is not saying to, you know, to, to, to throw all these things away. What he is saying is 
be aware that these things, times are short. They always have been. Okay? So the times have always been short. We say, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow, so we all better get ready. It's either happening in your life or it's not. And we have to be preparing. And he's saying, times are short, guys. There's a reality. Undistracted devotion to the Lord. He says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 to about 7, where Paul says this. He says, Corinthians, I am afraid that you have been deceived in your minds from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to the Christ. I want you to be free. And although there is nothing wrong with all these things that I have listed, if we have our heart and our mind entangled in them, we will worry. We will worry about money. We will worry about our health. We will worry about our future. We will worry about all the things, and we're not living for the life that we have been called to live for. Our eyes will be firmly fixed here. And this is all we will see here. And we will be consumed with our lives. Our lives will consume us. And yet there is a life of freedom to be found and consumed in him. And Paul is warning the Corinthians, and I believe he was warning to us today. And saying, where is, where is our hearts? Where are our affections? Where are our devotions? Who have you entrusted your heart to? Who have you given your heart to? What have you got your identity in? Who do you have your identity in? Because I want you to be free. And I don't want you to worry. Because see the birds? They look free. Look the way they fly and the way they sing to me. Are you as free as that? They don't store up for themselves because they know I provide. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the way I clothe them and yet one day they are crushed and they come to life again. But we're still worried about how we're going to get the next thing. Not even what we have today. I need the iOS. What is it? The the iPhone 6. Why? Oh, because it's bigger. <laughs> so, it's cooler. You can do all these things. Do you want to be free from life? Oh, that'd be nice, but... Seek first. That is the cure to anxiety and worry. And so once again, I just want to, I'm going to pray now and we're going to go to lunch. Time flies. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are a great father. And I thank you, Lord, that your love is covering us, holding us, encouraging us and spurring us on. I thank your grace is empowering change. And Lord, as we've 
shared some things today and painted a picture of, of a position in you of freedom. Lord, I pray that we would seek it with all our heart. I pray that you would identify to us the things that may need to be altered in our lives. And I pray that we would ask you through your power of your spirit to realign them as we discipline ourselves in the change process, Father. And so, God, I thank you that you've given us the pathway, you've given us direction, that we would walk on the pathway of light. It is a narrow path, Lord, but your spirit leads the way and lights the way. And so, Holy Spirit, like we've been teaching, lead us into all truth. Lead us into this position of being um, worry-free and realigned through the manner of your Son. We ask this in Jesus' name and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen.